Good afternoon. Happy Sunday. Today is July 11th. My gosh, the year is halfway over, guys. Welcome to Sunday Service, a podcast and a live stream where we talk about primarily creative finance, but we talk about a couple other things as well. Today, we will be talking primarily about creative finance for sure. The topic of today is debt to income ratio, DTI, because it's such a common question that we get. What happens? Here's the question that we get. This is the question we will be answering today, and it'll probably literally take five minutes. So we'll do a ton of Q&A. I will be answering tons of stuff out of the Q&A today. Guys, look at my face. Look at that. Can you guys see that? Holy moly. This is what happens when it's 115 degrees outside. Holy moly, get burned up. All right, so the question that we get consistently, frequently, especially in the very beginning, is this. Christian Hernandez, oh my gosh, this is so great. Christian Hernandez, this is a great question. I'm going to answer this in a minute. Um, tell that old investor that he's an idiot. I don't care who it is. Tell him he's an idiot. I don't care if it's my father. Tell him he's an idiot. Absolute idiot. I will show you that you can get, I will show you. I'll show you a title insurance policy. You can send it to him and say, hey, idiot, you're wrong. It's my favorite thing when somebody says you can't do something. So the question we're going to answer first up is, You know, I wish this was a background pick. Guys, this is the coolest thing ever. I wonder if anybody's ever seen this. Can you guys see the crazy detail of this painting? This is a hand this is a painting done by hand. Has 32 layers of paint on it. 32 layers of paint. And I can change the color however I want. Check this out. So let me fix that. Here we go. Boom. All right. So the question that we're going to answer right out of the gate today is Christian Hernandez, call your call your old um, investor, buddy. Tell him we're spitting some game today. He might want to learn a thing or two. Question of the day is, if I buy someone's home, subject to, they can't qualify for another mortgage. What do you do? 
Okay. If I buy someone's home sub two and they can't qualify for another mortgage, what do you do? Right? Does anybody agree that this is the question of the day? Please, if we answer this question, I never want this to question to come up ever again. Just kidding. It'll come up literally a thousand more times. And that's kind of the reason why we're doing this Sunday service is so that I can direct people to this exact direction. So let's go through this for a second. I bought a property. I'll pull it up. I'm going to pull it up just real quick. So here's a property, Christian Hernandez. Da, da, da. Settlement statement. Let's find a settlement statement on this one. I think I have a settlement statement on this one. I'll share it with you, Christian. This is so good. I love proving people wrong. It's the best. And people say that I should be more nice, but you know, this is just part of it. This is part of the life we live. Okay, check it out. This is my own personal house. Yes, that's my address. Somebody will screenshot it and send me a love letter. So Christian Hernandez. Did I get a title did I get a title policy on this property? This is I'm not moving on until Christian Hernandez says types the answer in the side chat. I'm not moving on. Did I get a title and did I get an owner's title insurance policy? So this was a $3 million purchase. So obviously my title insurance policy was very, very expensive. It's $5,000. So is it possible, everybody, if I decide that I want to buy a home subject to this, I did buy this house subject to actually bought this on a hybrid so you guys can look. The original loan subject to is right here. Existing loans assumed or taken subject to Christian Hernandez all on one screen. Take a screenshot and send it to your this guy, this bonehead. Take a screenshot and you can show him exactly a settlement statement that shows and the escrow uh, number. Here's the, here's the file number, escrow number. This was recorded against Maricopa County Records. You go on Maricopa County Records, this is exact document is recorded. So this is public record. Existing loan assumed or subject uh, taken over subject to $1.1 million. I, I bought this loan subject to $1.1 million. And then I also took over $800,000 of equity. And shaboing right here, $5,000 title insurance policy right here. So... When anybody tells you you can't do something in creative finance, it typically means they are not really doing deals, unfortunately. All right. So let's say that I, this is the question of the day. And most of my students that are in here, they already know the answer to this, but it's a question that we're going to answer right now because I want to put it on the, I want to put it on YouTube so that my team can send people this answer. For the rest of time and eternity, let me show you another property I bought subject to, and we'll give you guys a breakdown and a story real quick, okay? 
So I have this property. And I buy it in 2019. Still own it to this day. Let me do another screen share for you guys. And um, I get a call from a realtor, okay? Get a call from a real estate agent. Real estate agent says, hey, I've got a seller that's, uh, you know, I've got this house that's listed for a long time and I know you're the creative finance guy. I don't know what to do here. Here's the address. You guys can see it. You can see what day I bought it. 2019, bought it subject to, that's why the dollar amount is so random is because that's exactly what he owed. The seller owed 372788 That's what I bought it for. I took over the existing loan subject to, and I'll tell you guys the story. Look how cool it is now that I've made $200,000 basically in equity in, what is that? Maybe a year and a half. Pretty cool, right? So, this property, I get a call from a real estate agent. And the call I get from a real estate agent is, hey, Pace, I've had this house listed for six months or nearly six months. And if you know anything about real estate agents, real estate agents really only get a shot to sell a house for, for a seller for about six months, right? So at the end of that six-month time frame, real estate agent starts losing their mind. They start saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose this opportunity to sell this property, right? Okay. So real estate agent now actually starts working. Sorry, real estate agents out there that are watching this um, and say, why is Pace knocking real estate agents? Well, I'm not. You're watching this video. It means you're a real estate agent that actually wants to learn how to do something besides put a, a sign in the yard. Okay. So agent calls me up. Hey, Pace, I have two weeks left on my listing agreement. It's been five and a half months out of my six-month agreement, and I already know the seller's going to fire me. They don't like me. They're upset. They are frustrated with me, and I really need help. And everybody says you're this creative finance guy, and I don't know what else to do. Okay, cool. I said, well, here's what's going to happen. How Do you know how much the seller owes on his mortgage? They go, no, not exactly, but it's somewhere around $370,000. And the agent says, and here's how I know that. I know that because they had the property listed for like $410,000 at the time. Now, I'm sorry I'm going to answer this question so long-windedly, but I want you guys to truly understand the, the whole situation here, okay? Oh, is the Suns game on tonight? Chester, my, my, one of my mastermind students says he thought I'd be watching the Suns game. Is the Suns game going on right now? Do you guys see how much I care about sports? <laughs> even in my own, we have Suns season tickets and I don't even, I don't care. That's so funny. Suns game today. Hmm. Fourth quarter, Suns are down 20, nearly 20 points. Wow. Um, yeah, couldn't carry any less. Sorry. But anyway, here's the thing. Not that it doesn't, like, I, I am interested, but I just would never, I'd probably just watch it after the fact. Okay, so seller's trying to sell the house for $410,000. Okay. 
So guys, let's go through this. I know this is not as good as my Zooms because all my students that are in here know that we can get really, really um, good feedback quickly. Unfortunately, we're on YouTube right now. So all my students in here, if I sell a property on the MLS for $410,000, how much money do I expect to get back at the close of escrow? If I sell a property, Thank you, Dan Daniel Robbins. He says, this morning's Zoom was fire. Yeah, it was good. Three and a half hours, all about wraps, right? That was really good. Chester, uh, Chester, I would love you too, bro. Really good to see you in here. So Ingrid, who is a real estate agent, she says you take off 11%, which I completely agree with that. Okay, so 11% of $410,000. Let's do the math real quick, guys. Donovan Richard, yo. Donovan Richard, holy moly. Donovan Richard says, you're going to get somewhere around $377,000, right? Okay, well, that's cool. Here's the problem is that for, for basically six months, they had this property listed and the offers, they received three offers along the way, okay? One offer was $390,000. Another offer was... 405,000, but the seller paid all closing costs. And another one was like 385 or something like that. Those are the offers he was getting. Okay. So um, Alex, the real estate dude says 6% realtor fee. Yeah, there you go. There's, um, oh, Donovan did 8%. So national, just so you know, national average, everybody. Um, I do know this. I, we own a title company, so we have nationwide data. The average cost to sell a home is 11%. So it actually is lower than 377, it looks like. So let's fix that. Don Rich did 8%, which of course he did 8% because he's got homie hookups. But the average consumer, right? We're, not, we're talking about a consumer here. Somebody's selling their property. So let's say they get an offer. They had it listed for 410, but they didn't get an offer for 410. So what we're going to do is we're going to say that what his best offer was, was about $400,000. And it was this offer, 405, but the seller paid closing costs. So that's another $5,000 off the purchase price, essentially. So they really just offered 400000 So 400000 Multiply that by 0.89, that's $356,000. Okay, cool. So if the seller owed $356,000, and let's go back to this, I bought the property for three seventy-two, dollars and I already told you guys that three seventy-two dollars was the, what the seller owed. If the seller owes $372,788, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be like, well, I thought it was $372,788. Well, let's fix it just to make sure that your neuroses is handled. Okay. So right here, let's take the screen share off. So seller owes $372,000. The highest number he receives after close of escrow was 356,000. So he's got 
to write a check, it looks like for roughly, that's the approximate signal, guys, just for anybody who doesn't know that, $16,000, okay? So that was their best offer. Their best offer was a, a check that they would have to receive or the, a check that the seller would have to bring $16,000 to the table. And the seller's name is Dave, by the way. Dave is still a good friend of ours. You guys will see him commenting in a lot of my Instagram posts. He's still a good friend of ours. He's an awesome guy. So Dave didn't want to cut a check for $16,000. And here's why. This is why I'm bringing up this exact example. Okay. Why was Dave selling his house in the first place? Dave was selling his house in the first place because... How much did you pay the realtor? Well, I'm getting there, Gary. You know I'm a storyteller. You know I'm a storyteller, my bro. So the seller knows he's going to have to... Um, Anthony Arthur. Hey, Pace, those contracts that you locked up on Zero to Hero, are they creative deals or cash? We got three cash deals, one creative deal so far. Um, so we got four contracts in three weeks. There's your answer. So Dave, this is why he's selling. Why Why was Dave selling in the first place, right? We got to find figure out what's the why. Why, 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 why? Roger, we got a third contract already. So we got three cash deals, one creative. Okay, so why? Why am I selling my house? Well, here's the funny thing. Dave, driving home from work one day, is driving by a new home community, okay? They're building new homes. So he drives in, okay? He drives in and he sees these new homes and he sees a vacant lot. And what he does is he goes to the new home community and he says, man, what will it take for me to get a brand new home? I want a brand new home. We've been living in this other house of ours, this one he's selling. We've been living in this house for 17 years since the home was built. And some people go, well, why does he still owe so much money? Well, that's what happens when you refinance and you keep taking out your equity to live on it, right? So what happened is Dave and his wife go, you know what? We've, we're falling in love with this new home community. And Dave goes and puts $20,000 non-refundable. Put a $20,000 non-refundable deposit on that brand new lot. And the new home community says, you know what, Dave, you've got six months until we finish. So go talk to our lender and our lender will get you set up so you can, you know, get a loan for buying the home from us. Okay, cool. So goes to the lender and the lender for the new home builder, this is the builder's lender. They say, Dave, your DTI your debt to income ratio, this is an acronym, debt to income ratio, which means how much money do you make versus how much money do you spend on a monthly basis. Your DTI is insufficient unless you sell your home, your existing home. Okay. So does everybody, I want to see a lot of yeses in here. We got 275 people watching live between um, YouTube and Facebook. 
I want to know, does everybody understand why? Why, why, why does Dave need to sell his property? Do we understand why he needs to sell his property? I'm not moving on until I hear yeses or see yeses. Do we know why he is selling his property? Okay, cool. We know why he's selling his house. He fell in love with a lot. He put $20,000 non-refundable. So let me ask you a question. Do you think D Dave is super hyped when he finds out five and a half months later that the best offer he's getting is going to take $16,000 out of his pocket in order for him to sell his house? You think he's super hyped about that? No, he's not hyped because when you br move into a brand new home, you don't just have a loan. You don't just have your $20,000 deposit. You also typically in Arizona, what happens is people don't have their landscaping done. So they go in and they spend an extra 50 K on landscaping. Truly that's a lot of, uh, that's what we do here. When you buy a brand new home, you don't get landscaping packages. You just go do it yourself after the fact. Guess what? You got another $40,000 in furniture. Some people are going to be like, $40,000 in furniture. Yeah, guys, that's how people be living in, in this area. It's a nice area. Okay, $40,000 in furniture. And he was like dead set on this like $10,000 barbecue. I remember him talking about it. So do you think he's also super, he's got all these things he's got to pay for once he moves into the new home. Do you think he's going to be pumped to have another $16,000 of selling costs to get rid of his home? Right? He's in panic mode, right? Benjamin Favela says, no, he's in panic, right? He's peeved. Jacob Smith says he's peeved. Yep, you guys are right. Okay, he's motivated, motivated for terms. Okay, this is why. Now, this is a good strategy as you go to expired listings. Because a lot of times the reason expired listings are expired is because the agent couldn't sell the house for a specific reason. Either A, there was no equity, or B, the seller wanted too much money. Both of those are great motivators for creative finance. So here's what happens. Agent calls me. And the agent says, hey, I've had this house listed for five and a half months. And I heard you were the creative finance person and here's what's going on. They explained the new home. They explained, explained the debt, you know, the whole situation. They have to sell their existing home. Cause I was like, why don't, if they can't sell the house, why don't they just turn it into a rental? And the agent, cause I am always asking qualifying questions, right? I'm always trying to figure out why would somebody do business with me? What can I do to help them? So I was like, why don't they just turn it into a rental or an Airbnb? Cause that's what we did. We turn it into an Airbnb. We make, I don't know, three grand a month net on it. Why wouldn't the seller just turn it into an Airbnb? It doesn't make any sense to me, right? And it does make sense to me because I know the answer. The answer is sellers of homes are not like you guys. They're not coming in on a Sunday night at 7.30. And for some people, it's 10.30 on the East Coast. They're not coming into Sunday service to learn how to be real estate investors, right? 
they don't, they're not looking forward to turning their properties into rentals. They have nine to five jobs. They have things that they focus on and building a rental portfolio is not one of them, right? So the agent says, well, he was told he can't keep the property because his debt to income ratio and his debt to income ratio, um, his lender says that he is 100% required to sell his home in order to qualify for the new home. Okay, now have I set up the answer yet? I wanna, I wanna, you guys type in the side chat right here, type in setup. I want to see setup. I want people to type in setup. Have we set up? Now I can tell you the answer to this question. You know the why. You know the answers, right? There, obviously, there's 283 people in here now. So people that tuned in late have missed the last 25 minutes of us telling a story of how the seller got to this situation. So sorry, guys. We've told you why the seller's in the situation. We told you what the sto story with the agent is. We told you the lender required the debt to income ratio to be satisfied by the seller selling the property. So I want to see people type in the word setup. Okay, we have set this up. Now my students all know how I do this because I want to make sure that before I give you an answer, we have fully laid the runway for a complete takeoff. We're about to take off, okay? So the lender 100% required the seller to sell their existing home, the house on Sterling, the one that I bought. There you go, this house right here. They required them, required them to sell it, which is why they went out and found a real estate agent who was a family friend, never hire a family friend. Okay. And now it's time to go back to the original question of today's Zoom or sorry, StreamYard. I'm so used to Zooms with my students. If I buy someone's home sub two and they can't qualify for another mortgage, what do you do? We have now gotten, took us 30 minutes to get here, but now we're ready to answer the question. <laughs> this is how all my answers are. I'm so sorry, guys. Just want to make sure you get exactly what you need. Okay. So here's what you do. You, well, this is what I did. And I'll, I'll kind of give you guys a couple of steps here in a second. Okay. So this is what I did. I called the agent and I call him back. And I go, yes, I, you know, this is Pace. And yes, I do creative finance. And the agent really wanted to know what that meant. And I said, well, I just take over the mortgage. That's it. I, he's like, that's it. You don't need the seller to pay you any money. I go, nope, I don't need the seller to bring any money to close. And they're like, what about my commission? In fact, that was probably the first question the agent asked. What, what about my commission, right? Um, which I understand. I totally understand that. Everybody deserves to get paid. But when you're an agent and you can't sell a house and you take on a listing and you can't sell it, then you don't deserve to get paid. It's pretty obvious. I don't care how much work you did. It's not about how much work you did or hours you put in. It's about the results that you got. That's all it comes down to. So... I told the agent, I said, yes, I'll pay you a portion of your commission, but actually I don't call it a commission. I call it a finder's fee because you found an opportunity for me and I'm the one that actually turned it into a deal. I don't need you. In fact, I prefer you to be out of my way. I don't need you explaining creative finance to my seller. The agent says, well, that's not going to work for me. I need my full commission. I go, perfect. I'll call, I'll, I'll, 
look, here's what happens. Your, your listing is going to be expired. You called me and in two weeks, you're, you're going to have to either a extend the listing with your, your seller, which we already know is not going to happen because your seller needs to sell this house in two weeks. In order to qualify for the other mortgage, your seller has to, to do all that. And the agent's like, I'll figure it out. I'm going to go back to the other people that gave us offer. I'm going to figure it out. I'm like, okay, great. Two days later, I get a call from the agent. Agent's like, okay, well, how much is, how much is your finder's fee? I go, 2,500 bucks, and that's generous. So there's the answer to your question, Gary. Gary Shevitt says, how much did you pay the agent? Guys, how much did I pay the agent? How much did I pay the agent? There we go, 2,500 bucks. Bobby Montoya says the, the right answer. I paid him too much. Well, the reason I paid them 2,500 is because it was a good um, referral. I've actually bought multiple deals from, so the, it was a broker that referred the agent to me. So the agent got 2,500 bucks, but guess what? The broker got 1250 and the agent got 1250. I have always told the story that it's 2,500 bucks because it's more simple for people that understand. And this broker is none other than a friend of mine called, named Doug Hopkins. Okay, Doug Hopkins, ironically, is at the Suns game in Milwaukee right now. Him, him and I are both season ticket holders of the Suns. And Doug Hopkins and I have done multiple, multiple sub two deals together. And what he does is he just tells his agents, call Pace. He'll pay you a $2,500 fee. Okay, so I'm going to pay that $2,500 fee regardless how, of how big of an idiot that agent is because I want more and more deals from Doug Hopkins, right? I want Doug to continue to refer me, right? So the agent says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the $2,500, but I need to stay in the transaction. And I said, absolutely not. I would, I would rather not do the deal than have you involved. I would rather not do the deal than have you involved. Because the agent's not going to be able to explain it properly. I mean, the, the fact that the agent, here's the funny thing is why some, some agents in here, are like, why wouldn't you help the agent? Why wouldn't you help him? Well, remember when I went back and I explained this to you guys, how the agent had the house listed for $410,000. Shouldn't the agent have explained to the seller before he tried to sell his house that the seller, um, the agent wasn't going to actually be able to sell the property based on how much he owed. Don't you think the agent should have said, here's what you'll net if we get it, a, even if you, you get a full price offer at 410,000, which is what they sold it for or what they tried to sell it for, even at the highest price possible, he wouldn't have been able to pay off his mortgage. Okay. So that to me is an unprofessional agent because if you're a real estate agent and you do not provide a seller net sheet to your sellers, you are not doing your job. 
But here's the thing is if this is why, okay, this is why the agent did not do that. Does it mean the agent didn't want to, or doesn't know anything about it? No. What it is, is the agent, if the agent actually provided a seller net sheet, guess what? The agent would not have gotten the listing. So that greedy agent went forward with the deal because they really, really wanted the listing. And what they were doing is the pray and hope method. They were praying and hoping that there was going to be a bidding war for the house or whatever else. And so the agent avoided the seller net sheet conversation, which would have told the seller, hey, you're going to have to write a check for $16,000 in order for you to get rid of this house at $410,000. But the agent do, didn't do that. So in my opinion, the agent didn't do their job. Okay. Guys, this happens all the time. This is very, very common. This is a very, very simple thing that I tell sellers when a seller says, well, you know, I think I'm just going to sell with my real estate agent. And I say, okay, great. Did your agent provide a seller net sheet? And the answer is always yes. Or, I'm sorry. The answer is always no. Right. What's a seller net sheet? Right. What's it? Yeah. And Creighton, one of my great students and friends says, and they should include capital gains as well. Guys, a seller net sheet, if you actually understood what a net seller net sheet was, you would be like, yeah, I want to know that information before I sell the house. Right? So the agent only wanted to get the listing. Okay. This is what list, this is what agents want. They want listings. That's like their holy grail. They want a listing. So they didn't give that information to the seller. The seller then spent five and a half months worried out of his freaking mind. And you guys are going to see his testimonial. Um, I'll show you guys his testimonial here in just a little bit. Okay. So Dave, the seller, obviously frustrated. There's no way this agent's going to get a new listing. So the agent says, so I can, can I stay involved? And Eva Mim, she says, Why? why wouldn't you, or why would the agent want to be involved? Well, they want to stay in the transaction so they can get educated. You guys, I think a lot of people take for granted some of the information that you learn on this free podcast. People will like negotiate themselves just to be around me or be involved in a transaction with me just so they can learn how I do things. So the agent's like, you know what? I want to learn how to do this myself. Okay. So here's what happens. Agent then puts me in direct communication with Dave. And I call Dave. And the first thing Dave brings up to me, is he goes, so how are you going to solve my problem? And how much money do I have to give you? Okay. And I said, well, Dave, we can, put a, we can do a deal with each other where... Um, we can do a deal with each other where you don't have to write a check and I just take over your house. He says, really? You're kidding me, right? Really? You can just take over my house? You can just take over my payment? Wait, 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 wait. He says, wait, 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 wait. My lender, for my, remember, there's a lot more people in here than when I first started telling you guys a story. You missed this stuff. You guys missed out on a lot of good stuff. Okay. Dave now is going to say, wait, I can't sell the house subject to you because my lender told me my DTI was insufficient. 
which means I can't qualify for two houses. I can only qualify for one. And I said, Dave, you know, that is not true. I've never actually ran into that scenario one time where that's absolutely true. We've always been to solve that out, solve that. So why don't we do this? Dave, I will solve your problem. He's like, Pace, I don't have time to play games. I go, I don't either, bro. I don't have time to play games either. So I said, here's what I'll do. Let's get into a purchase contract subject to, and if I can't get you qualified for your next home right now, within a couple of days, let's cancel the contract. You can go back to your real estate agent who's crushing it for you. And Dave's like, okay, great. So I um, drive up to Dave's house. I'll show you guys right, right where I signed the contract, actually, if anybody even cares. Let's see, where did I sign the contract? I signed the contract right here. I sat in this chair right here. Dave sat here, his wife sat here, and then my wife came and she sat here. Signed a subject to transaction right here, okay? You guys want to see what it looks like now? See if I can pull up photos of what it looks like now, because that does not even look remotely close. How many sub twos that I'd done by this point? Hundreds. Hundreds. Bro, I've been doing hunt this for years. Years and years. Hundreds. Here's the photos of the house. Very different than what you guys just saw. Let's pull it up. It is now there's the where the old table used to be. It's now an Airbnb. Man, we changed a lot. Changed a lot in here. Yeah, so we open we open this up, we remove walls, did a whole bunch of stuff. Good one. It's a good deal. So very, very different. So look at this kitchen compared to what we were just looking at. You believe those are the same exact cabinets? We just adjusted the height of them. And then we put new appliances in there and painted them green. Same cabinets. So, yeah, this is, ooh, check that out. There's the game room. Little desk right there. Rick and Morty portal. Pool table room. Here's the prime. Ooh, 
We've been waiting for that mirror for a couple of months. I actually never got to see that mirror in person. I've never seen that mirror in person. So anyway, um, let's see. We actually did not repair it right out of the way. Um, all right, cool. So let me get back to the story. So Dave, I get on the phone with Dave and I go, Hey Dave, um, let's meet up. So we meet in that living room, which I just showed you guys. And I end up getting a subject to deal with Dave. And we end up buying the deal and he said in the contract, it specifically stated that if I can't get him qualified for his new loan, that we would cancel our contract. Okay. We couldn't get him qualified for our new, his new loan we would cancel the contract. So this is what I did. This is the answer to the question right here, guys. This is the same answer every single time. How did I know this was a good deal for me? Great question. I'll get to that in a little bit, but essentially the mortgage payment was $1,900 and the rent rate in that neighborhood is $3,200. So I already knew right out of the gate that I had a positive cash flow of $1,300 gross before capital expenditures. So I already knew that I was probably going to net about $800 a month on this and not giving Dave any money, not having to give much money to the agent, $800 a month, great return. Plus over the last two years, I've made $200,000 in equity growth. So it's obviously been a great deal, but um, that's how, that's how you know you know that you can cash flow, right? I mean, cash flow REI Pro, it's ironic that you ask a question about how do I know if it's a good deal? Well, cash flow, it's in your name, right? Guys, uh, Jean, uh, Jeanette, I did not have Rochelle at the time. I'm the one that trained Rochelle on how to do, um, I'm the one that taught Rochelle how to do subject two transactions. When I found her a couple of years ago, she had not done a subject two deal. And so we trained her on how to do that. She'd heard of it, but she had never done it. So we trained her how to do sub two, and now she's the most prolific cre creative finance transaction coordinator um, of all time. Yep, for real. Yeah, when I met Rochelle, she didn't know how to do subject two deals or seller finance. She was a transaction coordinator for real estate agents. So um, anyway, so this is what I do. This is what I did. I called the lender the next day. I called his lender. So pay attention to this. This is where the answer comes in. I called his lender, right? Remember the, the builder had their own lender. I called the builder's lender and I told the lender straight up, I'm buying the, his house subject to, and I'm taking the deed. How would you like me to structure it so we can take it off his DTI. Somebody's going to ask, what's DTI? You got to love it. It's debt to income ratio, guys. We've already talked about it, but all good. Joe Gorbia says, I'd like to know how subject two deals are made and how the closing works. Well, well, isn't that what my mentorship is for? Hey, everybody that's a sub two student, do you think Joe should just join sub two? 
because I we have Rochelle Jarvis in there. We this week alone we did probably forty hours of creative finance zooms. Joe, all the paperwork, all the structuring, all the stuff is inside my mentorship. So if that's really what you want to learn, that's where you go. Okay. So I asked the the lender. Jonathan says no. Work with students. <laughs> okay, sure. So, um, how would you like me to structure it so we can take it off his DTI? Okay. So the lender, and I already knew this, right? We'd already done multiple people with this, but I, again, I don't go in to try and convince people. And I tell, do you think I should go into a lender and say, all right, so lender, this is how this is going to work. This is how this is going to work. Let me know. Let me tell you how this is going to work. Right. No, you go to them and you say, hey, how would you like me to structure it so we can take it off his DTI? And the lender says, oh, great. Okay, so you're going to be paying the mortgage payments instead of him. And I go, yep. So what we did is we did, we actually did a lease agreement. Okay. And the lease agreement made it so I had to pay two months of the mortgage up front. And that's all we did. Literally, it's all we did. I've shown the lease option form. I've shown the copies of the canceled checks. I've shown all of these things in my mentorship. That's all I did. I wrote a lease agreement. I paid two months up of the mortgage up front. Dave then closed on his new home because he's now his lender now qualified him for the DTI, took this the DTI off or they, they took the payment off the, his DTI. Dave closed on his new home. And then after he closed on his new home, I closed and purchased the home. Okay, so when somebody asks, well, how do I get the, their DTI off? So let me tell you this. One, if you have a lease or a tenant, you can prove that the payments are not being paid by Dave. It's pretty simple, okay? Pull up bank statements, all that kind of stuff. Two, you can show that it is being serviced by a servicing company. That one's the easiest and if you can show these two things, then the lender will take off 75% of the payment. So if his payment, his DTI was, or his uh, PITI was $1,900 a month, 75% of that is essentially, I'd say it's like 1450, I think. Oops. So $1,425. So they took off $1,425 off his payments and they left the other 375, no, what is that? $475. So they left the other $475 on his DTI. And with that, he was still able to qualify. Cashflow REI. Um, nope, Ben Diaz, this is nationwide. We've never ran in, but guys, listen to me. Listen to me, because all the all you knuckleheads in there out there are asking if it if it's nationwide. It is every state. Rob Robin says it's five seventy five. It shouldn't be five seventy five. 
1900 plus 575, that would be 2000. Should be 475. It's nationwide. I have never, mark my words, mark my words, I have never ran into a seller that was told they could not get another loan by a lender that we were not able to help. I have, I'm going to say it one more time. I have never, it doesn't matter the state. It doesn't matter the circumstance. I have never met a seller that was told that their debt to income ratio was off and I wasn't able to jump in and solve that problem. So Dan, Dan Quijano, Pace, who should someone speak with specifically at their bank? Well, the person that makes the decision on a loan is who? Who's the decision, person that makes a decision on a loan being approved or not approved? Is it the loan officer? No. Loan officers are literally nothing but a bona fide salesperson. Loan, loan officers are dumb. I was a loan officer. I should know. I was a licensed loan officer. The person who you talk to is always the underwriter. Hey, Stanley Henderson, you've got so many questions. Can I invite you to the, can I invite you here, please? I'm going to give you the link to get on the live. I want to, I want to talk to you because you got some questions. I'm giving you the link. It's right there. It will bring you onto the stage. I want, I want to actually have you come on here and talk to me. I really don't like StreamYard. I actually prefer AirMeet or, oh my gosh, Carmen, great question. We've already answered that on previous Sunday services, so I'm not going to answer that today, but we, we'll, we'll, go, we'll get into it um, maybe up for a minute or two. Great question. Um, okay, so where is he? Stanley Henderson. I just gave you the link. It's streamyard.com forward slash D-W-R-C-N-Z-I-U, whatever that is. Click on that link. Get in here and let's chat. Okay. I want you to ask me a couple of questions because it's like some of the questions you're asking me of like, where do I get started? Dude, like you get started by watching Sunday service. Go back and watch the last year of Sunday service. Here he is. Stanley, how you doing? I'm doing good. You now have the stage, bro. You've been typing like a madman. Let's go. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I really want to know how to do so too because I find that being a uh, wholesale investor, it's not, it's, it's, it's worth it, but you only, you only down to like one, two in your two, but so long you do subject too, I feel you can offer more to a seller. Not okay. You want to learn how to, how to do it. Okay. Um, you can reach out to students. What market are you in? I'm in Las Vegas. I think I, okay. yeah, I, I, I inboxed you before with deals. Yeah, I don't, I, I feel so bad to say this, but I don't look at deals from my DM and my team does. So I don't, I'm so sorry about that. So it, I have a lot of students. Actually, Christian Hernandez is in uh, Vegas and Ben Diaz is in Vegas too. Do you see Ben Diaz in the side chat there? 
Guys, if you're in Vegas, a lot of my students, I have a bunch of Vegas students in here. Put your contact information in the side chat and help Stanley Henderson. I think I see it now. So Stanley, I've been teaching creative finance for free, basically, for the last, I don't know, four or five years. I've been running this Sunday service for the last couple of years. Sounds like you just found me. Is that right? I watched it a couple of times, but um, I don't I don't really get it like that. Like, I understand. What, what do you what do you not get? I don't get how to structure a deal. Like, OK, I get how to talk to a seller. But when it comes to putting on paper and stretching the deals and the terms, that's what I'm confused. at. OK, that's when you need to work with one of my students in Vegas. OK. OK. OK, cool. So what you do is you go generate leads and then you go to my students in Vegas and go, let's go JV on the deal. And my students will walk through and help you out. My students have access to my trans transaction coordinator. They have access to everything that they need. You know, they have access to me throughout the week. So I would find students in Vegas, which we have a lot. Ben Diaz is amazing. Whole bunch of people. Okay. Yeah. I just want to get a deal so I can, so I can um, pay for the course myself so I can learn too. Of course. Absolutely. So uh, everybody in Vegas, please help Stanley out. Stanley, any specific questions? Uh, I'm going to keep listening. If I can learn more, I'm just writing down on my notepad right now. And I can okay. reach out to one of your students because I, I, def I definitely want to get into the program. I don't want to ask too many questions. I'd rather listen and learn. You should, you should ask a lot of questions. I just, I feel bad because I, my students will tell you like this morning, I did one zoom with my students this morning at 6 a.m. until 9.30 a.m. And I answered one question. Wow. I love answering questions. I, but I go through and I tell you to the last little teeny little detail, I show you documents, I show you things, I show you proof. And so for me, when you have five or six questions on a Sunday service, they're great questions, but we typically will take like one or two questions and do a deep dive for an hour about that one topic. And you have like five or six topics. So what you're going to want to do is work with my students, go out, generate sub two leads and deals and get answers with them out in the field, right? They'll help you out quite a bit. I got probably like about six deals potential six deals out down from the close on probably so but i know those can be subject to deals so i, I want to keep them as subject to because when you wholesale you pay higher taxes so i'm trying to keep them as a rental property so right. I pay less taxes well you know who to reach out to now right yeah awesome good to, good to have you on here thank you you're welcome all right so um a couple of good questions um all right how does the remaining 25% affect the DTI in the future post closing this transaction? Well, here's what's fancy about this is that, um, so guys, uh, Jeremy Davis, Mr. Engineer Overthinker. I love it. Great questions. He always he has some of the best th questions of all time. He says, what if the bank is the same bank as the bank they already loaned? This has happened to us twice, two times this has happened and it, Never ran into an issue. So I guess I'm crossing my fingers, hoping I don't run into an issue. But here's what happens. When you have a subject to loan with a seller and you are making the payments in your first 12 months of that loan that you just took over, 75% of the DTI, the 
sorry, 75% of that loan re gets removed from the DTI. Okay. After 12 months, 100% of that loan payment is removed from their DTI. Okay. Let's see here. How do you get the underwriter on the phone? I've never had one be brave enough to talk to me directly. I don't know. I, I, I never had a problem with ever talk. I never had a problem getting hold of one. So, um, or actually what I said is I said, um, usually what I'll say, cause they don't want to talk to you cause you're not this, um, person I'll say, Hey, I'm representing somebody who's getting a loan from you. And I had a couple of questions. I'm helping him get his paperwork together. Um, to find, so you can finalize the loan. I need to, I have a couple of questions. So Jeremy Davis, I already answered this question. Uh, Jeremy Davis, I just answered asking a question. Let's see. Okay. So Carmen, what if there's no cash flow? Do you still take it subject to, I answered that this morning in my sub two zoom. Um, so Carmen, I would go watch that. Let's see. I believe you. Oh yeah. Ben Diaz. He's the man. Underwriter, underwriter, underwriter. Okay, cool. Hey, so I think you mentioned something about a letter that they have to present each time they apply for financing to get that mortgage taken off. It's called the DTI declaration. And, um, Alicia, Alicia Randall, here we go. Alicia Randall says, I'm a new student that started last week. I'm in week one of the PACE method. What do you suggest I do to get my first deal? I'm going to give you, if you have a budget of marketing budget, I'm going to give you one. Here's your answer. If you have a budget, go watch Zero to Hero. This is where my business partner, Matt, Cody, and myself start in a brand new market. And in less than three weeks, brand new market, virtually, literally started from nothing. And in three weeks, we had three cash deals and one creative finance deals starting from scratch. In a market we've never done a deal in before. We didn't choose the market. Our audience chose the market. And it was amazing. Anybody that watched Zero to Hero, please give us some love in the side chat so that um, Alicia knows that that's a really good one. So if you have a budget and you want to actually start doing marketing, go watch Zero to Hero. You will, your life will change. It's that good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Your life will truly change after watching Zero to Hero. If you have not, if you don't have a budget, then what you do is you go do the Lonza method. And I'm not, I'm going to say nothing more than that. Alicia, go watch the Lonza Method Zooms if you have no budget. Okay, there's your answer. $118,000 loan balance. $50,000 in repairs, 190,000 ARV, PITI 767. Seller just wants to get rid of the property. Um, how would I structure it? 
$50,000 in repair on a $190,000 ARV home, that's a massive repair. Are you sure it's $50,000 in repair? Gabe says, what if the seller is pre-qualified for their new loan from the bank they have current mortgage in and would qualify fully once property is sold? Is the process this, uh, Gabe, why would I need to talk to the underwriter if they're already pre-qualified for their new home? The only reason that I, the only reason I talked to the underwriter in the first place is because the underwriter told them that they had to sell their previous home because they don't qualify. So why would I call the underwriter if they're buying another home and they've already qualified for their new home? Why would I ever do that? Eva, you got three deals? Eva, you got three deals personally? Wow. Hey, Cashflow REI Pro, can I, can I talk to you, please? Can you come on the stage for a minute? Can I, I don't even know what your name is. I hate when, I, I'm sorry, this is going to come off really rude. I really don't like when I don't know your guys' names. It sucks. I have to keep calling you Cashflow REI Pro. Is there any way we can change your name? So we, the, the audience knows who you are? Guys, the whole purpose of being in, in Sunday service is to squat up with people. Nobody's going to want to squat up with you when they don't know, know your name. They want to know your name, guys. Come on. Carmen, we've had, we actually have a seller right now. We have a uh, creative finance deal where the seller is taking, is doing a cash out refinance and they keep the cash and then we take over the, the loan subject too. Seller is taking Robbie. cash out refinance. And they keep the cash and then Robbie, mute your computer. Seller. You there? Robbie, can you hear me? Um, hey, Pace, can you hear me? You there? Yes, I can hear you. Awesome. Thank you for having Robbie, me. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, hey, Pace, can you hear me? You there? Yes, I can hear you. Awesome. Thank you for having Robbie, me. Can you hear me? Okay, Ravi, what you need to do is because you are both listening to the podcast and you're in the podcast. You need to cancel out the window that you're listening to the podcast on. Okay, how about now? Is it good? Yes, it's good. Thank you. Sorry, first time doing this, so thank you. No worries. So, Ravi, we really want to take your name from REI Pro to actually Ravi so people know who you are, right? Yeah, I need to change that account. Sorry about that. You don't need to be sorry to me. I just feel bad when nobody... like the likelihood of somebody reaching out to you and wanting to partner with you or JV or send you a deal is zero when they don't know your actual name. Yep. Right. Yep. So that's more for you. Yep. Um, so, Hey everybody, if you are a student and you need to find the Lonza method, the Lonza method is not anywhere in YouTube or a book or a seminar. It is only taught inside the mentorship. So go inside the mentorships, private Facebook group and ask, somebody to send you the, the zoom links for the Lonza method. Okay. So Ravi. Yes. Zero to hero. I only let subject two students, sub two students watch the live recordings. Okay. So we just finished those recordings on Friday. We just finished the challenge on Friday. 
Got it. Okay. So do you think that I would have all the, the recordings like edited and look good and all that kind of stuff by Sunday, you know, two days after we just finished it? Not yet. Not yet. Right. So what we, I, I wanted to tell you this on the live because there's a lot of people on the waiting list for our um, Zero to Hero REI. Um, who is not on the waiting list for Zero to Hero REI, by the way? If you're not on that waiting list, you're missing out. By the way, if you're a sub two student, you already get all the recordings. So don't sign. If you're a sub two student, please don't sign up for the, for the waiting list. You get all that stuff already and you get to watch all the recordings live. So Ravi, all the students watched it live while it was happening. So they, every day we went three hours and had 1500 students watching the live. And as we were going through and locking up deals and all that stuff, but now that the challenge is over and we got four contracts, um, our team, Kelly and our other people on our team are editing those so that they actually look good and the lighting's good and the audio weirdness is fixed. And there's some portions where people lost internet. So we're going to cut all those boring things out. And then we are going to send everybody an email that's on the waiting list. So if you registered for the waiting list, you're in there, it. but it's not going to be available for probably about a week. No worries. I actually just became a sub two student base. Uh, this is my week one. Perfect. Zero, rather. You're going to get, so all the students for um, sub two are going to get the recordings, I believe Monday or Tuesday this coming week in awesome. the raw, they're going to be raw. So you're going to get access to those. Um, Kelly and Reagan are going to email all sub two students, the a package of all the recordings, I believe either tomorrow or the next day. Awesome. Okay. And I want to see uh, you, do you know how many zooms we do every week? Yeah, in, in this week, uh, I was part of uh, two of them, um, one with Caroline and one with uh, Nick at night. Yeah, Nick at um, night, yep. I, I unfortunately missed uh, the new student one yesterday. Uh, my little one was not feeling well, so I was taking care of it. But yeah, no looking problem. forward to more. I do. So personally, I do a Zoom every Tuesday myself. I do a Zoom every Saturday and a, a, another bonus Zoom every Sunday. So this morning, I did another one for three and a half hours all about rap. So that was... Yeah. That was a really, really good Zoom this morning. It was awesome. So congrats. Welcome to the family. Really appreciate it. I do have a you. question now, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. On the subject, uh, so technically when you become the owner of the, the property uh, and the mortgage is still in, under the seller's name, uh -huh. how do you account for, and let's say you convert this into a rental, right? Like Airbnb or even a regular rental. How do you account for um, the benefits you may get from a taxation point of view, whether it's let's say the mortgage interest uh, deductions or because it's technically not your mortgage, right? It's, it's still in, under the seller's name. It has nothing to do with who is on the mortgage. It has to do with who's paying it. Got it. Okay. Right. So if I'm paying the interest on the mortgage, I get that tax deduction, right? I get the tax credit for paying the mortgage interest. So that when that um, you'll get, you get access to all the contracts and also you have my transaction coordinator help you out with transactions. So what happens is, when you sign a deal and you go close escrow, you get power of attorney over that mortgage. And you also get power of attorney of where they send the, um, all the information every year. So you can put that with your taxes. So you get all of that because it doesn't have anything to do with whose name is on the debt. It has to do with whose name is on the deed. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. Anything awesome. else? Thank you. Nothing else. Sorry. Thank you so much. Don't be sorry. Thank you for asking the questions. Really, really good questions. Thank you. Thank you. 
So Gloria says, do you have to be a student for Zero to Hero? Um, you have to be a student to watch the lives. I'm not in, I'm really, I, I, this is going to sound really rude. I really am not interested in hanging out with non-students live. There's a culture inside of Sub, sub 2 that is absolutely um, hard to explain. It's impossible to explain, in fact. And so I really, if I'm doing a live session where people can like voice and ask questions, it's very unlike what we're doing right now. This is just me streaming. When we do something like Zero to Hero, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students watching live and providing feedback. They get to raise their hand. I bring them on the stage, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, so yeah, I'm really, the, the live sessions of Zero to Hero are always going to be available only to sub two students, okay? Um, one thing is... Uh, we are doing season two in 30 days, and then we're going to be doing season three, which is basically the Lonza method. That's going to be season three is going to be sometime in October, I believe. That one is going to be fun. Um, hey, Doug Lonza, are you still in here? Doug Lonza, are you in here? Dang it. We might have missed him. We might have lost him. Doug Lonza, are you still in here? All right. So, guys, um, I don't know if you guys haven't been watching Sunday service for the last couple of weeks, but we talked about making Sunday service only an hour long. Um, so we are... Oh, there he is. Vincent, can you jump on here, please? I'd like, I'd like to chat with you for a second, if possible. If you can get that stream in Facebook, I don't know if uh, the streamyard.com forward slash whatever. Click on that, Lonzo. I want you to come in here. I'd like to chat with you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Creighton. See if we can get him on here. I want to chat with him about season three real quick. So as um, Uncle Lonzo is coming in here, guys, um, who knows what season three of Zero to Hero is going to end up being? Season two, um, season two is starting in 30 days. And then season three will be October. We're going to actually have um, Doug Lonza probably come live at my house for three weeks and a couple of other people as well. That's Connor Winter. We're going to do that's going to be season Connor Winter. Amazing, amazing. Da Daniel Quijano. I don't know, bro. You tell me. Juanita Quinn joining the stream. She just was like, thought she'd test it out. She's in the backstage now. What up, Juanita? You want to chat? Season two is all about how to scale. So we change it up. Season one is how to get your, how to build a business. 
zero to hero, how to go your first deal, how to build an automated business. That's more important. Zero to hero is about how to build an automated business so that you don't have to continually go back out and keep trying over and over and over and over. Um, and then season two is how to scale that to a point where your virtual assistant team is closing the deals for you. Okay. Doug Lonza is like, who, who loved zero to hero, by the way, who like, give, give me, give rate zero to hero on scale of one to 10 rate zero to hero. See if I can get Lonza in here. I want to chat with him for a little bit. Twenty. Got a lot of twenties. Oh, perfect. Yeah, Vincent, I want you on here. I want to chat with you for a minute. All right, so let me show you guys, we'll, while we're waiting for him, I'm show you guys what season one was. So season one is, uh, we already did this. So we started in North Carolina. So anybody that says, I don't know where to start, we literally show you step-by-step step how to start. And we actually did it ourselves. So instead of us saying, hey, go do this and come back, hey, go do this and come back, we literally just did it. Started a brand new company, brand new LLC, brand new website, brand new logo, brand new, everything, 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 everything was brand new. And in three week time, we generated about $50,000 in profit and we bought one creative deal as well that will continue to make us, I don't know, about $1,000 a month cash flow for forever, which was pretty cool. Okay. Now, number two, is, season two is we're going to do a continuation of that. We're going to continue this and we're going to scale out of the business is what the goal is. Sorry, my iPad spelling is horrible today. We're going to scale out of the business in season two. So we're going to give everybody about 30 days to catch up with season one. And then we're going to go to how do I scale out of my business in season two? Okay. Now, once season one and season two are done, we are going to say, I have my direct to seller marketing done. There he is. Yeah, sorry, I was watching on my phone. Oh, no worries. How you doing, boss? Doing good. Oh, I got that bright light behind me. Let me. I can't get rid of that light. I'm just going to. I wouldn't worry about it. All right, we're good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, I want to chat with you about season three. Awesome. I'm ready. Let's do it. Are you getting, any, you getting reverb? any reverb? No, but hang on. Let me turn this down a little bit. Let me try something here. They're saying it's They're saying echoing, it's so I think you might still have your window open where you're watching it. No, but I think there's a thing on StreamYard where you can do echo cancellation. Did that work? Yeah, it sounds good now. We're good. Okay. Yeah, there's a okay, there's so, a setting in StreamYard. You got to cancel the echo. Anyway, here's here's what I'm thinking on season three. Mm -hmm. You know, season two is now we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a, a thing where we scale 
are cold callers from cold callers to lead managers, lead managers to closers. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't, but that's going to okay. be awesome. Cause there's just so many people who are like, Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it really was something to watch. It was unbelievable how cool that was. And they were like, okay, now you've got this whole automated business. How do I scale out of that? And so we yeah. go, you know what? We've got a team already that we just trained. We've got a market we just started in. Why not do a continuation of that and do season two instead of um, it being the Lonza method, do season two as a continuation of season one. And then that way the direct to seller marketing can be done. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, the, so here's, the here's what I need your help. I had to watch of it. Like was so cool. So valuable, man. It's so good. This is what I need your help with. What I'm thinking okay. is in season three, we end up having, you know, the teams that we compete like you and Ann, I would love to have you guys come out here, have a couple of other people come out here as well. And we do the live stream here at my house every morning for three hours where we okay. all individually work on our business, but all on four different stages. So with AirMeet, you can have multiple stages. So if I'm watching Zero to Hero season three live, I can bounce from Lonza stage to Pace stage to somebody else's stage all at the same time, depending on what action is going on. And we're all, literally all the teams are working at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. And we just keep cranking away three hours every day, right? Mm-hmm. This is what I need your help with. I'd like to see what your thought is. Okay. I really want to figure out how do we get all the accountability groups inside of sub two to also compete in the same exact thing. So we get all the students taking action at the exact same time nationwide. And we leverage the accountability groups to somehow create a competition who can generate the most in a three-week period and that is with your guidance, my guidance, and uh, whoever else is going to compete while they're at my house. Every single morning, you're going to have all these accountability groups that are watching live. I don't want them watching. You I want, want them taking it. action. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's what I'm hoping we do in season three. And I just wanted to plant that in your brain to kind of have you start thinking about how do we set that up? How do we communicate that? What's the competition? Is there a competition? What do we think? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We have to break it down into actionable steps, right? So as we do the daily uh, broadcasts on AirMeet, you know, we, we have to brainstorm like actionable steps on a, on a daily basis. And like, so, you know, after they... I mean, I, I can think of some right now. We won't go over them right now. But, you know, after day one, like, this is what you need to go do, you know, or you can do it while you're watching the broadcast with us. Yeah, I'm hoping we could literally have people watching the broadcast and then they immediately stop watching and they go do it or B, they do it all collectively together. So here's what's kind of cool with AirMeet. If mm -hmm. I set up an AirMeet, I can set up parties like watch parties inside of the air meet. So like you can create the accountability groups as parties where they can all watch together and right. they all then are taking action together on that individual business model. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said, we just have to come up and say, hey, you know, I mean, I kind of already have broken that down to some degree, like, you know, on some of, some of the action steps that you need to take. Um, and I get, you know, we'll take it again as if you were starting from, from zero, right? 
Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to brainstorm that some more, but again, I, I can think of like, you know, these are the action steps that you need to take. And then if you take the first action step, you should be getting some reaction from that. And then you need to, you know, take the, the next step and the next step and the next step. So, I mean, we, we, you know, I don't know if you want to break it down tonight, but you know, I can think in my brain of like, Hey, here's, here's what's your first action step. Then you'll get reaction from what you do. You can do it the first day. You'll get reaction from that first day. Then this is what you need to do on the next step on the next day. Cause based on what you did on the first day, you're going to get some feedback. You're going to get some reaction. And then this is what you're going to need to do. Um, and, and it's going to go down the line until you get to the point where you're getting those leads and you're, and you're calling sellers on those leads. So with zero to hero season one, we only planned out the first three days. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, let's, we can build a fully automated lead gen business in three days. We're just going to then react for the next preceding 13 days or 12 days after that. Right. Yeah. So that's essentially we what we, you, we just I'm come sorry, up with like, me. we come up with action cards for like two or three days. And then mm -hmm. the rest of it is just reacting to this same exact mm -hmm. activity over and over and over for whatever amount of time. And we could probably just do it in a two week period. It doesn't take three weeks to do this. It takes maybe 10 days. Yeah, we right? could probably do it in two weeks, but exactly like the first part of it, is just like you're saying two or three days of like these are the first few action steps you need to take and then after that you just need to follow up and take action on what on what happens once you you know open up the floodgates floodgates of working on these you know leads with these dead leads so it's just a few days of um you know doing the first few things that you need to do you know if we're going to take it from from square one, from, you know, from zero to hero, if we're going to take it from zero, then it's just the first, you know, first few days of like, Hey, here's the first few actions. And then perfect. Like we don't know what's going to happen at that point. So we're just going to be reacting to what we, uh, the action that we take and put out there. I mean, that's like what happened to me in real life. Right. It's like, I learned this from you in the first few days I started doing it. And then I just started reacting to what was, what was going on. Right. So it's going to be the, the the same type of scenario like here we're going to you know what's going to be it's going to be the event of the year bro that's what it's going to be <laughs> absolutely we're going to I, I want fun. it to be where everybody taught all the accountability leaders we when's the next accountability leader meeting uh we do it on the last friday of the month we can switch it up though because you got the show so we can always like maybe do it like on a saturday or something if that works better for you if we could do it on a Saturday, I could join. I'd love to like start laying the groundwork of like, how do we get every student to work together collectively in each individual market um, as an accountability group, as a big squad, and they just take the action all together, right? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be fun. Would it be That'd too be chaotic fun. or would it just be so much fun? No, it'd be so much. The more chaos, the better. <laughs> how, how much, how many deals? That's what? the thing is like, I would love to track how many deals we can do in a 10 day period, just as sub two students nationwide, like how many contracts can we get locked up? Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I bet you, you could do easily a hundred with all the students nationwide. I bet you could do easily a hundred. If everybody jumped in and everybody took action. I mean, I did like two or three contracts in the first, like, you know, 
probably two, three weeks, month, month, you know, of just applying what I learned from you. So, and that was, totally that was when you were brand new. Yeah. When I first joined, uh-huh. Now you're, a, now you're uncle Lonza, bro. You, you, <laughs> you're, Lonza, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a, you're a seasoned vet now. Well, I don't know. I'm still asking you a lot of questions, but <laughs> well, I, you but, know, that's just, it's just fun. Yeah. It's um, yeah, Donovan Richard, uh, man, this would be great because you got Rob. Is Rob Rob Robbins in, is in NorCal with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this would Don, even Don take is my brother. It would so take all of the um, accountability leaders and the accountability groups to a whole other level, right? In terms of like, what do we do together? How do we spend more time together? How do we do all this kind of stuff? I think this would be the most community building activity of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we already have such amazing, an amazing community. Like I was texting you earlier, right? I was just saying, man, I was telling you like doing a, a JV with other students and then having boots on the ground with other students helping. I mean, it's just incredible. Like the amount of um, resources and help that everybody's willing to get, but that would take it up to a whole nother level too. And plus get people deals, right? That They need to get deals. We need to get everybody getting deals here. Man, I'm so pumped for this. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> um, let's let's chat tomorrow. I'll I'll, sh I'll shoot you a text and um, okay. Look, our brother Kamahai is in here. Kamahai, dude, you guys would be running the whole Hawaii crew, and I feel so bad for you guys because it'd be like four o'clock in the morning when we'd be running to live. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, Matt Sanders in here too. You know, it's cool is that we could get Matt Sanders. Anybody who gets a land deal, you know, Matt Sanders can run the dispo on that thing. So. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, definitely. You, you, are you filming tomorrow? Tomorrow I have a day off. Okay. We're it filming is. Tuesday through Saturday this coming week. So I have Monday off. So tomorrow I'm playing like massive catch up. So I've got a call with, um, I've got a call with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Allen tomorrow. Oh wow! Lucky. So you. I'll, I'll I'll shoot you a text after I chat with him, and and uh, okay. you and I can chat about that, and then we'll chat about the accountability group Zoom, and hopefully you can wrangle the troops up, and we'll create something fun. Absolutely, we can do it for sure. All right, cool. And dude, I'm so excited to ha hang out with you at the family mastermind. I'm so glad you're coming to that. I know I am too. I am too. I found I told you I found out about it from another friend, and then I found out that you're going to be there. So yeah, I'm, like, I'm I'm on, Jamil and I are on stage two days in a row. Yeah, I saw that, you know, so I was really pumped. I was like, wow, bonus. Get to hang out with Lonza, dude. Yes. <laughs> you and I are in two masterminds together. It's great. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much for jumping in here. I just wanted to plant that seed. Um, guys, give Lonza some love. And what we'll do is, I don't know what the topic is next week. Uh, Kelly, are you on there? Do you mind coming on here for just a second? Do you? Are you proper? Are you dressed? <laughs> She's in the Pretty backstage. I can see her, but she doesn't have her camera on, which means she might not be proper. Well, it's it's, it's like eleven thirty where Kelly is right now. So I know she's uh, she's unbelievable. Um, okay, Kelly, thank you so much. I don't know what the topic is next week, but we will be back here next week for Sunday service, guys. Appreciate everybody, sub two students. Thank you for being in here and helping out all the new people that are not students. Want to make sure you guys are doing deals together. Um, Uncle Lonza, you're the best, bro. Oh, Pace, you're the best. You know I love you. <laughs> love you too, man.
Um, all right, guys, we're going to get started um, on coming up with next week's topic. I will let everybody know. We'll put put on Instagram every Sunday, 7 p.m., every single week, even on Father's Day. Actually, we didn't do it last week, so I, should, I shouldn't lie. Uh, appreciate you guys tremendously, and we'll see you guys next week.